uh, one fact about the Beach Boys that you might not mo know is uh, Charles Manton wrote, helped write some of their songs. <laughs> Did you know that? Before he was famously Bef known as Charles yeah, Manson? Before, yeah, so he, w he went out to L.A. and met them, or California, wherever they were. Yeah. And he actually helped write some of their songs before he uh, choreographed the murder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he actually never murdered anybody. He didn't? No, he got... So actually, I don't know much about Charles Manson now that I, uh, now that you bring it up. So, yeah, I mean, from my, my YouTube exploring... Well, the best type of research. <laughs> right, is uh, he actually uh, brainwa like, brainwashed or convinced people to kill... Uh, I don't know her first name, but I know her last name's mm -hmm. Tate. And she was pregnant when they killed her. Mm -hmm. And uh, he convinced them that it was some kind of... Like sacrifice, yeah, or like something they had to do for like their satanic worship or something. So and he was be... a cult leader, kind of, yeah. Well, I these... guess still is, still is. He yeah. ain't dead, no. And the funny thing is, too, another little tidbit aside from that is my mother actually, when she was a teenager, she wrote Charles Manson when he was in prison, and he wrote her back. Wow. And my grandma, my grandma's called Mima, uh, intercepted the letter from my mom and. <laughs> beat the crap out of my mother for writing him. <laughs> why? So why did she write him? I think just to see if he would write back. You no know? Just like, you know, because I guess Manson was a big deal in what? Like the 90s? I think the 70s. 70s. And yeah, so 70s. Even earlier. Big, yeah. So that would have been kind of like the, I don't know how young your mom would have been then. But uh, yeah, teens. Yeah, somewhat yeah. young. Huh. So, I mean, maybe she wrote him when in the 80s when she was a teen. You know, I yeah. wonder. Do people still write um, murderers, like serial killers? Uh, well, I mean, I saw a thing on Facebook where you could actually write uh, the infamous Tiger King. I thought he was dead. No, the, the Joe Exotic guy? Yeah. So, no, he's in prison for 22 years for the murder to hire the, the day Carol Baskin. So I've never watched Tiger King, but <laughs> I've seen it on the book when it was a big right. deal. Yeah. I thought she was being investigated for murdering him. No, so the whole thing with that is is uh, she, there is a theory out there that she fed her first husband to a tiger. <laughs> or tigers, fantastic. right? Because yes. he went missing and he's been missing for, you know, however many years now. But I think it was like seven years they say he's officially dead because he's been missing for so long. And, and now she gets Here's your insurance money. So, Man. of the, the cat thing too that she does in Florida or Florida or some other place. I think it's in Florida. I could be totally wrong I'm with kidding. that as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, you could apparently like write uh, Joe Exotic and have him autograph something and you got to wait like, you know. I mean, because what six... else is he doing? Yeah. Right. He's rotting away in a prison cell right now. Crazy, man. <laughs> uh, the humanity's obsession with wickedness is crazy. Yeah. That's so weird. I mean, people driving past a car crash. I mean, it's our natural curiosity that makes us want to like seek out. I mean, look at our entertainment, horror movies, oh, gore, yeah. thriller. I mean violence 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 and the nice thing is is most people can separate that out between entertainment and reality but isn't it it fascinating that we're so entertained by just horrible things yeah like blood and gore and death and and people i love that movie and it was like people getting their hearts ripped out and it's it's so, crazy yeah, yeah for real and it's just a fascinating thing for us which really brings me to Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Let's Get Lost podcast. Today, we are joined by the man himself, Corey Armstrong. 
I know Corey through the military, and what I know about Corey's medics extraordinaire, super dad, beyond super dad. Like I can't emphasize that part enough. Um, and just all around great guy. He is a person that I um, feel like I barely even know the surface of the hell that you have walked through, and you are still one of the nicest people that I that I know. And that's just from the little bit of of you know trials that I know you've gone through, and somehow you've always came out looking exactly how you do right now. Big you ass know, fucking big smile, ass smile on your face. face. Big ass smile on your face, man. And um, it's I personally think it's one of the biggest things that drew me to you outside of you know I'm just your supervisor, like we are friends, right? Right. Well beyond that too. Yeah. And you're just how do you? How do you maintain that that positivity? Like, what's is there a secret or is it just you? No, I guess it's just the way I feel. Like, I just I I, I always like you know like the the scene in Elf where they ask him where he's why he's smiling and he's like I just like smiling. Smiling's what I do, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's just part so, of you. Yeah, smiling's fun. Well, that's and a good thing. I don't like I don't really know like if there's a secret to it or not. I guess it's just has that always been you? Yeah, I've always yeah. been. They've always called me Smiley or Smiley Corey, Smiley Armstrong. Really? I got in trouble in basic training for smiling all the time. I could see that. Yeah, the drill sergeants were like, why are you smiling, you know? <laughs> so, I'm like, but I'm just having to be I here, just, sir. I can't stop it. <laughs> yeah. So, military man, um, still. Still. Yep. And you started out in the Army. I did. How was the Army? <laughs> uh, the Army is a whole lot different from the Air Force. It is. Um, I think the Air Force is... I wouldn't call it easier. I would just say more laxed, maybe kick back. Like, you know, instead of being like uptight, call me sergeant instead of, you know. Even when you're off the clock. Yeah, even when you're off and like hanging out, it's always sergeant. So I've always called Mark my my sergeant. Mm -hmm. uh, I still kind of, <laughs> still always call you sergeant all the time. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? I have my own um, opinion and I'll explain after. Like, why do you think the the army is so much more rigid than the air force? Um, I think it's more like a. Uh, oh, how do I say it? Um, like tradition. Yeah, I would say like maybe because the army's been around longer and they got to kind of hold up like, oh well, we've been here first, so gotta make sure you know it's like the the jock kid. And the, and who the, wears his letterman yeah, jacket? Yeah, wears his letterman jacket. Has 40s. to play football and you know tosses football in the hallway. Versus yeah. the, the Air Force is kind of like that nerdy kid with the glasses with the tape on the glasses. We're and, going places. And uh, <laughs> you know he's like, oh, I'll, you know, you're cool in high school, Mister Jock Kid. But later on, I'm gonna get all the girls and make all the money, and you're gonna be still talking about how you could throw the pigskin over the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very true. Because one of the deciding factors for me. Yeah, I was actually looking between the Marines and the Air Force. And the biggest thing for me was the after the military. Like, what offers you the most opportunities when you get out? Right. Because you have to have a normal life when you get out, in theory. Um, and the Air Force just had more opportunities to move around. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with my decision. Yeah. <laughs> with what and I did. I mean, you seem to not be at the asshole personnel ty personality type because that's kind of the the marine aspect and i'm probably going to get a lot of marines the braggadociousness <laughs> yeah. well they marines know it kind of kick, get it, out of kick here. my ass but once a marine always marine right. you guys know oh, yeah. exactly what we're talking about so shut up but i mean the cool thing about being a medic is because you started as a medic well, well not, you didn't start i didn't start as a medic i uh 
I went in and got the uh, the lie from the recruiter saying, you know, you could do anything in the military except, you know, where these things aren't open yet. So uh, my recruiter told me uh, you could pick these three jobs and then you could reclass, switch jobs um, within six months of being... Factually true. <laughs> right. Reality, yeah. almost impossible so, to do. Um, I signed up as an engineer, which was a heavy equipment engineer. So I operated the, uh, the bulldozers and the scrapers yeah, and the motor cool. graders and learned all that fun stuff. But I'm really prone to sinus infections with dust. So it was hell. <laughs> Oh, so while you were moving all that crap yeah, around, yeah, you're so just dying. I'm like, the... yeah, my nose is running constantly. I'm coughing, sneezing. and Man. Yeah. Genetic lottery over here. Oh, yeah. We'll get it... into the celiac later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so how long were you at the Army as an engineer before you switched over uh, to medic? So about two years. Okay. Uh, and so it was quite a funny. So after six months, I'm, you know, a little private second class, a little PV2 is what we call Yeah. A little mosquito wings on my chest, like nobody. Going to my uh, sergeant first class, E7 office. He was my readiness NCO. And I said, hey, can I reclass? Because it's been six months. And he's like, no, you have a contract for eight years with us. You know, that's what you signed. That's what you get Damn. kind of thing. And yeah. so I was like, wait, come again. And I was like, but my recruiter said, you know, like little high pitched voice, you know, little yeah. private, like. Thing. That's how I see myself. But like, sir. But sir. You know, and he was like, tough luck. Sorry. Ooh. Keep being an engineer. I was like. And because that's really solely based off the discretion of that person, correct? Right. In the army. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And so the only the only way I got to reclass was uh, the armory where we were at in Grand Junction. So I drove from Bertha. I lived in Bertha. I drove from Bertha to Grand Junction once a month for okay. the Army National Guard. Yeah. Four hour trip. Totally and that's long. where you were an engineer? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, so the contract was, well, six years, two years inactive ready reserve. And uh... you're good. <laughs> okay. It's distracting. I just that, yeah. noticed. I just noticed. <laughs> but We uh, noticed at the same time, and yeah. now it's all I could yeah. see. I am. Yeah. Um, but so. So you were going up to Grand Junction. Right. So driving to Grand Junction once a month. I did that for two years, and then um, the big army, the headquarters, decided to close that armory in Grand Junction for, the rumor was, asbestos everywhere. So don't want anybody <laughs> Very catching. Very common. Yeah. And so since the armory was moving to Montrose, mm -hmm. uh, they said, well, we broke our contract because our contracts, or your contract states that you'll be drilling in Grand Junction. Right? Gotcha. And so they said, now you could reclass if you want to. And I, so you know, by luck of the army oh, yeah. gods, right. you so, got out. So I got promoted to private first class. Hey now, watch Yeah, out. right? Yeah. Playing with my privates. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. So as private first class Armstrong, I said, get me the hell out of here, you know? Like, there's a doggy coming hey, in the room. Emma. <laughs> Our special guest, Emma, has joined us. All right. Um, and so, yeah, I said, heck yeah, get me out of here. I've been working on the ambulance for the last four years. This is what I know. And I love it. Yeah. Let me In be a your medic. civilian life. Yeah. You've been working on the ambulance. So I actually just, as a side note, I just spent my uh, 8, 9, 20 was my 10 year with AMR on the ambulance. So you had your 10, you just had your 10 year anniversary? Yeah, with the company. Wow. So 
Did 10 years of this stuff. Or something? They gave me a pen and I actually got a Google Home, one of the big ones, hey, for free. Right. So That's cool. Yeah. I mean, a little appreciation. Not too bad, yeah. You know, because some places just say, oh, you're on your 10th year. Good job. Like, don't care. Go to work. Right. So any so. any bit of recognition is cool. So you were doing the... Uh, the um, Oh yeah, back to working the story. on a pair or working on an ambulance on your civilian life. Right. You had the opportunity to cross train, to go. Yeah. So uh, in the military. Yeah. So reclass the medic or reclass to be a medic, and uh, so I took that opportunity and went. Um, so from Grand Junction, I went to Fort Carson because we had a little National Guard armory on there on <clears throat> the base as well. So I started doing that. Um, what my and then the big thing was is like during that transition. I just had surgery on my leg. Because of your cancer. Yeah. yeah. So I had, uh, so right out of basic training, I went to AIT, uh, learning how to drive everything. and. Where So AIT is? Like tech school. There you is go. the tech school. Where you, he learns of, his job. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one morning we did a five-mile run. Short story on this is uh, we did a five-mile run. I uh, came back. My, my hamstring was sore from the run, and I went back to kind of rub out my lactic acid in my leg, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt a baseball-sized knot in the back of my leg and was like, what the hell is this? And then I didn't want to tell, <clears throat> I didn't want to tell anybody in the Army because I heard Army surgeons were <laughs> not the greatest. <laughs> yeah. And so I waited for all my training to be done so I could come see the civilian doctor. And you just had this nodule in your leg? Yeah, well... It, so before I joined the army, it was the size of a pea. Okay. So I thought it was just like a little like fatty, whatever like, deposit in my leg. You know, not a not a big deal, and didn't think anything of it until when it I felt it that day. It was the size of a baseball. Yeah, it was the size of a baseball, and uh, so came back home, started doing my drills, seeing the doctor, and uh, the really funny thing was is like I was I was able to pass all my PT tests and stuff from AIT, and then. I went and saw the doctor, and he said, well, stop stop running so we can, you know, figure out what the heck's going on with your leg. And little private private to Corey was, uh, he didn't, I didn't uh, let anybody know in my little, uh, oh, in my that's unit, good. right? Yeah. So, uh, so October time rolled around, and it was, it was the PT time of the thing, and I failed my run and the PT test. And, uh, so the PT test is you have to run, push-ups, sit-ups, and you guys did pull-ups, right? No, so we just did push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. So we two did two run. minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and a two-mile run. And there's a standard you have to meet to be right. whatever, so yeah, I think to make the, the military happy. At the time, I was 20, 26, and I had to run a two-mile in like 15-15 uh, or something yeah. like that. And I ran it like 17 and a half minutes. That was with the nodule yeah, in your the, leg. Yeah, the, the yeah. big cancer in my leg. And so, uh, you know, a little freaked out because I just failed my first PT test. And so I had to go talk to the commander and my readiness NCO. And they're like, why are you such a shit soldier? You, you failed your PT test. You, you know? let down America. And I'm like, oh, well, my doctor told me to stop running because he thinks I have cancer in my leg. And they're like, <gasps> what? Why haven't you told us this? We're so sorry we called you a shit soldier. Yeah. You know, like, what, like what, what can we do? And like... You know, so the tone switched from like, er, to holy shit, you know? Well, because, I mean, in reality, they're used to just dealing with the lazy fat asses. Right. Who just, like me, they don't want to run because it's hard and you get sweaty, (laughs) you know? So that's who they're used to dealing with. And then when they find out the truth, 
I love it. You probably made them feel so guilty. <laughs> right. That's great. And uh, so they're like, they got me set up with all the paperwork mm -hmm. and everything, the, the profile. Did the line of duty and all yeah, that. Yeah, all that good stuff. And so I had surgery on my leg, and then they told me I could reclass, so I switched to so another So what unit. was the surgery? Uh, the surgery, they, uh, they did a whole bunch of tests on it, so a lot of biopsies, and they found out that it was a sarcoma, which is cancer. That's the bad one. So that's the bad C word that you freak out because you're like, wait a minute, I have cancer. So oh, man. Like, what was going through your craziest. head? It was, I, I don't know. So I was, uh, I got the scan done and, uh, you had to wait a couple days for the doctor to interpret it and everything. And then, so I was driving to work. I remember this cause I was driving to AMR and, uh, I think I had like the, like nine to like five shift that I did on the ambulance down in Denver and, uh, driving to work and they give me a call. And they're like, hey, uh, so we think it's a sarcoma. And I was like, we think, what the hell is that? You yeah. know, I was like, what is what is a sarcoma? Because, you know, I've only been in doing this for two years. Well, and also and on an ambulance, cancer is not really your yeah, scope of practice. Right. It's not an emergency <laughs> thing. Where, exactly. You know, and so what well, she said, like the, the, the poor receptionist lady, she's like, well, it, a sarcoma is cancer, Corey. And I was like, cool. And then like Over hung the up the phone. phone? Yeah. And so, like, I pulled over, kind of lost my shit there for a second. I can't then, believe they told you right, over the no, phone. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's yeah, so I'm crazy. driving right now. <laughs> right. You, you might want to slow down. Right. Oh, so my God. So, pull over, lose my shit, and yeah. then uh, regain my composure and go to work. Right. Wow, good for you. So, I, you know, and I don't even remember if I texted my ex-wife or, like, called her while I was losing my shit. And then I was like, well guess i gotta go to work you know like what else is there to do like yeah. you know so like the big shock and all of it and I then i cannot uh, believe you went to work so yeah and i went to work like a retard so <laughs> and so i get on the I get on the ambulance and like we do our first couple calls and i'm kind of like dragging ass and like not my normal self and my medic's like hey what the fuck Corey? like yeah. what is wrong with you today you seem and I was distracted like, right and i was like oh i just got off the phone with the doctor before i came into shift today and they told me i had cancer in my leg and he's like the hell are you doing here like go the fuck home you yeah know? like what the hell is wrong with you so yeah that's crazy and so, so you did, went home so went home and i mean talked to the doc some more um the doc my just regular doctor was like well i'm gonna refer you to a surgeon here in loveland because this is all in loveland since i was living in birthed and uh, i was like okay cool uh, we waited a couple weeks for the appointment with the uh the surgeon and uh <clears throat> Met with a general surgeon here in Loveland, and he goes, he looked at my scan, he goes, I'm not touching you, right? Huh. And I'm like, oh, freak me out a little more. Yeah. Okay. And Delivery doc. Right. It matters, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he said, uh, he said, I'm not touching you. I'm going to refer you to another surgeon at a place called Colorado Limb Consultants. And I'm like, limb consultants? Like, is this something like I'm going to lose my leg because, like, We'll back up a little bit in my lifetime. I, I grew up as a track runner, football player, all that stuff. So I, I loved doing sports and being able to walk. Who doesn't, right? Yeah, physicality. <laughs> and mean, so I'm like, am I going to lose my freaking leg because you're sending me to a limb consultant doctor? Like, what? That's the way they told you? Yeah. <laughs> and so and so they set up this appointment at the Colorado Limb Consultant down in Denver. Right what did at, he uh, tell you? The surgeon? When you said, am I going to lose my leg? Right. He's like, uh, no, he's like, I don't think you're going to lose your leg, but you gotta, we got to send you to a specialist because okay. this is, uh, you know. 
So I went down and saw an orthopedic oncologist surgeon. Wow. Yeah. And he was a, uh, he was a major in the Army, did a couple of tours in Iraq as a trauma surgeon. And I was like, this guy's got his shit locked down. I like yeah. this guy. Yeah. And he's been on Good Morning America. Well, Shout out shoot. to Dr. Hugh Gate. Yeah. You ever want to be on the show, so, Doc? Come right. On up, man. <laughs> um, but so he looked at my scans, did a needle biopsy of it. And he's like, well, I think it's a desmoid tumor, which isn't cancerous. And I was like, cool. What do we do for that? And he's like, well, with a desmoid tumor, um, he says, we don't take them out because they could grow back. And they just grow. Oh. So it's just this weird mass that's not cancerous, like non-cancerous, benign that just likes to grow. So how long at this time, at this moment, because there's more of the story, have you thought you've had, you had cancer? So uh, I was originally from, the phone call was in September. I think this was October time. So well over a month. Yeah, a couple months of like thinking I had cancer. And then so he, he goes and he, you know, numbs it up in the procedure room, sticks a big ass freaking needle in my leg, scares the crap out of me. And then like starts cutting my leg with this needle, like biopsy needle. So he's just taking like, pieces out. Yeah, so like it was this, it was a big old needle, probably, jeez, how do you describe it? Like, I mean, like a 12, 10 gauge? No, even more than that, because he actually had to make an incision in my leg, open it up, and stick this needle in it, and it had to like, uh, normally they're spring loaded. Yeah. Right, but they ran out of those that day, <laughs> at the office, so he had to use the manual thing. So he like he sticks this thing in there into my skin and then kind of presses it down and then he has to pull this like plunger back plunger back to yeah. like cut it huh. and uh so he took and like, you're awake i'm awake yeah the whole time not Which even is like numbed just numbed like the little like boop, like i'm so getting you just stitches felt the pressure yeah or? yeah so i just felt a lot of pressure wow. it kind of hurt it hurt a little bit I bet. But, you know um so he does that he's like well I'll send it off to pathology and uh give me a week for that to confirm what yeah, he thinks that it's a desmoid tumor. So, um, so the pathology came back and, uh, he kind of got a little lazy with me with that. Cause he was like, yeah, it's definitely a desmoid. And then he sent me to a little Russian lady <laughs> oncologist through the, uh, I think it was like the Rocky mountain cancer place, oncology place yeah. in Denver. And, uh, this little short Russian lady was like, I do not believe it's desmoid. I think it's sarcoma we need to do a large biopsy, you know, like she like, she oh got on the phone gosh. with this surgeon guy and like, if you could picture it, it's a, I mean, the surgeon's probably six, three, you know, bigger dude, bigger surgeon guy. And then this little like five foot one Russian lady is just screaming at him over the phone over my while case. While you're there. Yeah, while I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like, she's like, you need to do a large biopsy of it. So like, she's like, I need to send you home. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. do anything with you right now because we don't even have a, com a confirmed case because when he did the, the retractable biopsy needle, he crushed a lot of the cells. Because it wasn't the spring load. Right. One. And so he's like, all right. So you're just getting jerked oh, around. jumped around like crazy oh with this whole gosh. leg thing all the while. I'm you like, have cancer. You don't right. have cancer. You it's might still, lose your leg. I'm just freaking kidding. out the whole time. Wow. Still going to work and working on the ambulance. And, you know. Yeah. So we get in. uh Finally get a little uh, surgery schedule for a large biopsy. They put me under, they, you know, cut like maybe six inches. And then the incision is six inches? The little one, yeah. Wow. So when they took the large biopsy of it. So a uh, little incision takes it. He, uh, he shoots it off this time to uh, Presbyterian St. Luke is where we did the surgery at. So their pathology, they sent me to the Mayo Clinic, and then they, he sent it to Harvard. 
And I'm like, so cool. you're just like a test monkey, at right? This point. So I'm like, yeah. cool. I'm being sent all over the the <laughs> U.S. <laughs> Rona. Hashtag <laughs> not Rona. Six feet. <laughs> but so um, I have to wait two weeks for the, the results to come back. So you mm-hmm. know, sweating bullets. Six like freaking weeks. out. No, two weeks. Oh, two so weeks. So two weeks. I don't so, know why I heard six. Uh, so sweating the whole time. And it, so pops on the phone with me. He's like, hey, so uh, all three places have come back sarcoma. And I'm like, okay. So we're back on cancer. Let's now. get this thing yanked out as fast as we can. So yeah. it's, right, it's right at the end of October. And he's like, the, the soonest I could get it is or December 4th. And I'm like, done. Get me in. Let's get this thing yanked and out of me. Where, what, to, what are we now? November? So, uh, the end of, yeah, beginning of November. End of October, yeah. beginning of November. Okay. So about a month away. Another month so, you're waiting. I'm like, cool. At least I got the, the surgery scheduled. Everything's good to go. So go and get this thing yanked out of me. And now I have about probably an 18-inch scar down the back of my leg. Jeez. I don't know if you... I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and he said he took out uh, about 50% of the hamstring belly, have, mus- muscle and, belly. And what... How much have you gotten back in terms of usability? Um, I'd say probably about 70, 70 to 80%. Really? I, yeah, I did a lot of rehab and... and just, just whatever you were yeah, supposed to? Yeah, and just pushing myself. I know that I had a, a second lieutenant who wanted to kick me out, like med board me out of the army, because mm. he's like, if you're missing half your hamstring, you can't run. And Well, how about we let me decide that? Right. Because so, <laughs> if I can still do it, I can do yeah. it. Yeah. And so, uh, so in the middle of me, like being on profile, not being able to run, I switch units in the army. Okay. So switch over to my medic unit. Um, and my old unit never told my new unit that I had surgery on my leg. And so I get in and then there's this sergeant who's, uh, he's gung ho. He's an old, uh, infantry medic. I won't say his name because, yeah. you know, <laughs> one day he might listen to this, <laughs> but, uh, so he goes, you don't have a profile, and they never told me you're doing a PT test next month. And I'm like, well, I'm going to fail. Yeah. Because like, how sim- long has it been now? Uh, it's been... In terms of the recovery process. So it's been about seven months after my surgery. Jeez. So like... And you got an yeah. 18-inch slide. And I got this nice little scar that I showed him. I'm like, hey, this is what it looks like. Here's your I- profile, dude. I'm not going to be able to run, dude. Like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Apparently and a so, PT test. <laughs> right? So I took PT tests. So I rocked out my push-ups, rocked out my sit-ups because I've always been able to do that. And then runtime came and I'm like, this sucks. So kind of tried to jog it out a little bit, walked a lot. And then he saw me, you know, kind of not pushing myself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to push myself because my leg hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and this so, is a forever thing for me. Ended up running my two mile in like 23 minutes. Which yeah. again, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I was like 23 minutes. That's pretty awesome. Post cancer surgery, man. But it was a, uh, it was like 10 points on the, on our scale, and that's like, not happening, right? Yeah. So, he's calling me every, you know, shit soldier name in the book, and how dare me? And I'm like, okay, well, I'll so it doesn't even care. That doesn't you even just care. Had yeah. Cancer. Right. On the road to recovery. because nope, you know I gotta be. You, soldiers need to pass your PT test and then be, do your job. You yeah. know. And so I was like, cool. So I couldn't go to actually be a medic, official medic in the army, in the army, because I had to pass a PT test to be able to go to school. And so and about this whole time you've been a medic 
and the civilian world yeah, EMT. for years. Yeah. An EMT for years. Yeah, for years. <laughs> and so like all these all these other soldiers are uh, in the unit. They know I work on an ambulance, so they're asking me medical questions constantly. I'm like, what do you do for this? What do you do for this? And it it kind of gets this uh, Sergeant First Class a little peeved, you know, because he's Cause like, they're coming to you. Yeah, because they're coming to me and not to him, right? Because he knows everything. He once told me like, he told me uh, I know more army relate regulations than you can forget wow. is what well one and of those guys in all seriousness <laughs> in all seriousness like dead serious and you know for some of my oh. army friends that might listen to this you know who he is yeah <laughs> but i ain't gonna say his name yeah <laughs> everybody knows that person like they were a nobody before the military they're still a nobody but they think because they have rank they've become important oh yeah, Whew. yeah. they're the worst man so so yeah, so some time lapse, I, I'm able to rehab everything, pass a PT test, and then I go to medic school. In the and, Army. In the Army, yep. yeah. So combat medic school, uh, and I make I get the best score in the class, top, top dog for everything, get a cool coin, get some scissors and a bag and everything from the class. Scissors? Oh, shears. Uh, some, yeah, raptor shears. Yeah, and, trauma uh, shears or whatever. You know, and I think it kind of irked that sergeant a little more because he was like, he thinks you're, you're a POS. You're not supposed to be this good. And yeah. You're a piece of crap because you barely passed your PT test and I yeah. let you go to school kind but of thing. you're doing amazing at your job. Yeah. So, so yeah, I started being a medic in the military and liked it and wanted to fly. Yeah. And uh, the Army didn't really care to make me a flight medic, so I was like, Check out I'll go to the Air Force. Force. Yeah. And that's kind of how I met Mark Gibbs. Yeah. So, and I got, like, I don't know if you remember the first time I met you. My first drill. Um, I'll probably remember about into the story. Okay. No, what? So yeah, so they they introduced me to you as my supervisor, and I'm like, oh, this this sergeant type kind of person. He's gonna be like, you know, <laughs> do what I say and you'll be good, you know. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. Yeah. And uh, I go back to my desk, and I'm kind of trying to go through the little corridor there at the AES building, right? And uh, the three girls, Dawes and Olson, <laughs> yeah. and I think another one that just got out but they start gabbing in front of me like including me in the group and i'm like what the hell is going Very on social people like we are. hey <laughs> and <laughs> welcome to the air force and we Ma talk to each other and mark's like hey armstrong come here you know and i'm like okay you know so i go through the girls and he's like i saw that you're a little trapped and i wanted to save you so and that was all he had to say to me <laughs> That's it? That was it. Oh, and I was like, oh, cool. This guy's really awesome. Like, yeah. he's going to save me from, you know, making so, an no, ass of I myself in the Air Force. Uh, <laughs> I definitely don't remember that, but I 100% believe it. Because when I was in the, when I was in, I just got out recently, a little more than a year ago. Um, I was definitely like one foot out the door. Oh, yeah. But the thing that I cared about, be, and anybody can find me on it, is I cared about you guys. Yeah. My troops. Oh, yeah. My people. That's it. That's it. I was like, you know what? I have had a, quite the career, a um, lot of downs, lots of ups, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that these guys, at least while I'm here, will live a good or have a good experience. And uh, hearing that kind of stuff is very cool because it's all I cared about was you guys. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was the crotchety, just like been in too long, staff sergeant. I was good at my job, so a lot of people, they respected me for that and they left me alone. Um, but attitude wise um it was good thing i was funny because if i wasn't funny um i would have just been in trouble all the time oh yeah because i have a mouth and i can go and if i if you 
more or less can say whatever you want as long as it's funny at the end. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of live by that rule. It was your saving grace, I think. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> At least my time with you, because I'm like, you could say that to a, a captain, or you could say that to a, you know, a, a, yeah. a technical sergeant, or whatever they were. Well, and there's two very important parts. One is how you deliver the info, and two is being right. Right. Because yeah. if you're right, you can stand on that and go. If you're wrong, though, or if you're leading with emotion, or you're leading with opinion, that ain't the right way to go about it. You know, and that's why I always felt I was successful with leadership, depending on the leadership, because they respected my honesty of it. Like if I came to them and I may have been stepping outside of my wheelhouse, they respected that I was doing it for you guys. Right. Like I'm being rude because I'm mad for them. They can't say this to you because the consequences matter to them still. I don't care. <laughs> Be mad at me. Don't give me on the missions, whatever it is take care of them because when yeah. i'm gone someone has to keep doing it right um so thank you that yeah, was very nice so. of you to say so, so yeah we met in the air force um and never really did anything together not really because yeah. you were getting jerked around <laughs> yeah i would sit normally like at a computer that did turn on because I didn't have access to it. Nope. Because I didn't have a clearance for the computer to use a the computer. The security clearance to get onto the classified network, like the military yeah. networks. Yeah. Um, so Corey, poor Corey, like m just years at this point or months and then turned into years, um, he had no job. He it, just was there. The Army deleted my security clearance when it I did. swapped to the Air Force. And so. it takes forever to get yeah, a security it like, clearance. It was a year and a half. For them to do their full investigation and make sure I was who I am. and Even though you came directly from one well, military yeah. branch to the next. Yeah, it was just insane. It's crazy. And I'm still fighting them for paperwork lost right now. Well, so before we get too far away from it, um, you just recently, within the last year, are officially cancer-free. Yeah, that so this year will be eight years. So, yeah, they... Uh, I. I kind of skipped a couple scans because I was moving around from Denver to Loveland to Bertha to Greeley to, you know, wherever. Uh, Kings Kingsburg mm -hmm. is where I moved to also. So did my my last scan at the six-year mark. Six years post-surgery? Post-surgery, yeah. And that's when the uh, the the surgeon, Dr. Hugate, gave me the, the good blessing that you've been cured. That's and amazing. And no longer in remission. So, so the reason yeah. I brought that back up was as a cancer survivor... I mean, what's your biggest takeaway? Like, what did, what did you gain from such a just horrifying? I just can't imagine the sensation of thinking or knowing you have cancer. Like, what's the what's the takeaway? I think just like I mean, the big takeaway is just staying positive and fighting for it. You know, just like, fight. You know, just fight as much as you can. I know I've met another. Uh, I've met other cancer uh, people who had cancer, and uh, you know. And that's all I really tell them is like, hey, I kick cancer's ass and fuck cancer. Yeah. You could do it too. I know you can. And, so just uh, not giving up. Yeah, not giving up, not losing hope. Um, I know I didn't have to go through any of the radiation or chemo, mm -hmm. like crap that people have to go through. So, you know, I don't really know what that's like. But, I mean, I always keep telling people, keep fighting. I did it. You could do it. Man. And, yeah, and there's there's been a couple people where I'm like, you know they're cured of cancer too, and they're like, I, "That's what I did. I fought." And one of my one of my friends uh, 
who had brain cancer. Some of my bracelet is right now. Um, wow. He actually passed away in May from Sorry brain cancer, that. but they gave him a year, and he fought for two and a half years. After that, that is so. always crazy to me, man. When the doctors are like, "You got six months," and then most people would be like, "It's just a running clock," right? And then they'll die earlier than six months, and then other people, it's just they live for years. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I think it's like you. I think it's like you know, if you're given like six months, people start to lose hope. And I think that because what do you do like, in six yeah, months? What I mean, do you, you could do? blink like, and yeah. miss six months. So I mean, I think that's that's the downfall of some people when they, you know, when they don't live for that six months and they die is because they kind of lose hope and like, oh, well, what is my life now? Because yeah. I got this What's death sentence kind of thing. So you could just binge watch Glee for six months. Right. And, I don't <laughs> and know. Still not man. make it through the I, whole thing. <laughs> I can't imagine what I would do. I'd like to think that. I feel like I would just deny it. <laughs> like, no, I don't. So just give me the medicine. I'm going to live forever. Right. Like, did you ever hit any of those types of... No, I, I mean, my biggest thing was, and especially when I was being jumped around from it being a desmoid to a, a sarcoma, I was like, Doc, just cut this thing out of me. I want it gone. Yeah. You know, like... Just get it. Re- get, just I don't get care it, what yeah. it is. Make I don't, it go away. I don't get... Like, I don't, I don't care what it takes. Just get this freaking mass out of me. Because yeah. I don't like it. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. You know? It is I don't not need supposed it. to be here. <laughs> right. I don't need to get out. So, huh? Well, I think that I mean just one awesome that you can share the story because I really think um, those types of stories really inspire people. You know, because if you did it once, you did it. Now you know someone else can. Right. Just like yeah. I've said it before, that four minute mile. Yeah. Everybody thought it was impossible until it wasn't. Now it's everybody. If you're a professional runner. You better be able to run a four-minute mile. Oh, yeah. It's like you're not even considered. No, you're not even considered professional to do that. Literally, within, I think it was the last, like, 50 years, 60 years, literally, they thought it was humanly impossible. Oh, yeah. Take that, science. So, and I mean, even, I mean, they even thought the five-minute mile was unattainable. Did you ever do the four-minute mile? I ran a 450 mile. That is crazy. In the ninth grade. So, Four minutes and fifty seconds. Yep, that was my fastest mile I ever ran, which was cool. That's I amazing. did a, I did a summer program called uh, the Hershey's Track Program, and Hershey's candy chocolate. Yeah, yeah. sponsored it, and I went down to do a That's state smart. event. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, chocolate. No, we're all about healthy stuff. Yeah, definitely. Our After chocolate's not bad for you. Chocolate covered chocolate M and M's. Go run. <laughs> you go run. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so I went down to, uh, I ran, uh, I think I ran like a five-minute mile up in Fort Collins at Pooter Track, my high school there, and then I, I got sent to the state qualifiers down at Jeffco over the summer, and that's when I ran a four-minute mile. I took fourth place. That is crazy. And they, talk, they took the top three guys to go to Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you were uh, top and I was, first. I was, I was fourth. So, like, all the guys, I mean, all the guys there, it was like a, you know, photo finish, like, one, two, three, four. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't lean my head down far enough to, forward, to go to Pennsylvania He's and run belly. there. Well, you probably uh, didn't have the belly back right? then. Yeah, no, I was, I was a skinnier yeah. guy. Yeah. Cancer and, uh, I blame it on women. <laughs> Cancer and women will make you fat. <laughs> Cancer and women yeah, will make you fat. you're not fat. You're in better shape than me. <laughs> you're doing all right. It, it kind of gets me into the next, like, uh, a point I want to make with you especially is that perseverance. Like, just that ability to um, take a bad experience and not be crippled by it. You know, we were just, we took a little break, and we were just discussing um, 
you know, animals and pets passing away because it sucks ass. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so, it is so wrong that humans live as long as we do and dogs don't. Yeah. and I It mean, should I, be flipped, if anything. I deal with death all the time in my job. Mm-hmm. Like, people passing away and, like, I'm able to disconnect from that and, like, just be like, yeah. But humans aren't pass, pure. Yeah. And, like, when, but when my dog did, I was like, I I don't know if I could ever get over it. Mm. Like, yeah. But, and like I said, that's what makes it real. That's what makes the connection, the love that you have and had for your dog, that's what makes it real. So. Because not being able to get over it means it's a part of you that is gone now. Yeah. And And the biggest, like, the biggest thing that made me cry the hardest that day, oh, man, was (laughs) uh, that night my daughter wanted to watch some movies. And uh, she picked out Onward, the new Disney movie that's out. And then after that, she wanted to watch All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so first of all, that movie's sad already. Oh, yeah. It's just sad, period. And, like, the day you put your dog down, you oh, have to watch that movie. No. I cried so hard behind my daughter while she was falling asleep to that movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. It's, nah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, and again, but that's the thing is you felt those emotions and they were so unbelievably powerful and yet you still are here though mm-hmm. you're still you still got up you still love your other dogs you right. still love your like it didn't destroy you and those types of powerful emotions or those powerful feelings they can cripple they can stop you dead in your tracks and a life that you once thought you were living is gone yeah you know and what you've had trials for pretty much a lot to most My of whole your life. life. Yeah. And through those trials, like I said, you still are just one of the better people that I know in this world. I mean, it do not to make you put your whole life on a platter here, but is there a, a trial that you particularly would like to share oh, that, I mean, and maybe I mean, the lesson or I'm, what I'm you okay sharing a it. lot of the trials is uh i mean even learning to fight like i always think of myself as uh, joe dirt you, you just got to keep keeping on man yeah. you know <laughs> and as bad as that sounds like it's it's what you got to do is you got to push through the heart and i mean when i even like when i was nine months old i got spinal meningitis and the doctors told my mom i wouldn't live you got like, meningitis yeah. in your spine Spinal meningitis, meningococcal meningitis. So the last case I read about uh, of a kid getting meningococcal meningitis as a baby, this kid lost his arms and legs from it. Yeah. And you had this disease. And I had this disease as a nine-month-old kid, you know, like my mom was freaking out in the hospital, like what's going to happen? And then good old smiley baby me, you know, push through it. And survived. And survived. I'm, so, so, I mean, I'm here talking, right? So, geez. yeah. So you got, and I assume, based off of just what you told me, the risks are very high for this. Yeah. You lose body parts. Yeah. And so I didn't lose any body parts, thank God. But Amazing. You know, so pushed on. And then uh, when I was four years old, I had my tonsils taken out. I and, still have uh, mine. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I was a little shit as a kid, too. Mind you that. And, In what uh, way? Oh, I was, you know, so when I was in the hospital, after they took out my tonsils, I didn't like the hy in my arm, as a little kid does. Yeah. So I, I decided to take it out. 
Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the nurses and the docs didn't really like that. So the, the doc asked the nurse to push a, a pediatric dose of Valium to, you know, who saw me <laughs> Drug out. Drugging kids, man. Drug and and kids. I love it. I love it. And the, uh, the, sleep. the nurse gave me a, a, an adult dose and it stopped my heart. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> what the hell? Right, you, yeah. So are you sure is, you're supposed to be alive? I, I don't know. Like, so between like not, like you've seen like, Final Destination, right? No right? kidding. I'm, like, I'm skipping you, death all were the time. You supposed to not make it through birth, <laughs> right? And just death has been trying yeah, to kill you been, for the last thirty years, uh, yeah. or however Sc old you screw are. Screw that little guy with yeah. the sickle. You're not. How old are you? Little robe. You're I'm younger 34. than me. Thirty-four. Oh no, you're yeah, older two years than me. older than you. Yeah, yeah thirty-four. You'd never know if we stood next so, to each other. You'd be like, right. hit the old dude with the beard. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. It's the beard makes you look a little. Okay, so you punch death in the nuts again. Again, four years old. So they. They come in reverse, you know, whatever agent they need to push in my body, push my mom out of the room. You know, <laughs> she's freaking out again. And uh, my so I've heard two very large. Um, what is it called when you sue a doctor? Uh, malpractice. Malpractice. Yeah. So now I'm hearing. <laughs> so you got a double dose of Valium at four. Yeah. That's some bad juju. And then one doctor almost just said you had like a. Nothing in right, your leg in my and leg. cancer. <laughs> now, granted, don't just go sue doctors right, because no, medical yeah. science is not, it's not a crystal ball. There is no. so much guesswork to it. But what the fuck, dude? Right, yeah. Like, come on. So super <laughs> How hard crazy. is it to pull the right amount of Valium? Well, back when I was four, 30 years ago, I don't know, maybe the, I hope the nurse is still not a nurse practicing <laughs> Pretty sure milliliters were still milliliters right. back in the whatever days. So anyway, you almost died at four. Yeah. He brought you back. And then uh, I grew up after that with a very abusive father figure that my mom divorced when I was 14. So, you know, he very abusive, always, you know, told us that, you know, you could you could call the police on me. But after I get out of jail, I'll come find you. Wow. Like, and he, so he just didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit, yeah. So yeah. a lot of drugs that he did, a lot of like just abuse that he abused my older brother, my mother and me. So Because what is what's the what's the Armstrong clan growing up? So you had mom, so you, your brother. My mom, my older brother, Steven, me, my younger brother Jesse. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So and we all had different last names, we all had different dads. Mm -hmm. Mom had a different last name every time she got married. Committed. But you know, yeah. we we survived and yeah. we pushed on and we're still here. So, you know. So, again, and I don't, I'm not trying to dig up a bunch of stuff, but I interrupted. Oh, yeah, so, no. Trying to get so, you back on back track. Back on track. So, so you say, yeah, you an know, abusive. Getting, the, getting that abusive guy out of our life. And then, you know. Because uh, you mentioned earlier learning to fight. Yeah. Because so, I'm familiar with this. And if you're comfortable talking about it. Yeah, totally. I, so learning but, to fight. But learning to fight. So, like. You know, physically fight. I, I, I don't look like someone that throwing fist cuffs. Yeah, so I don't look like someone who will fight. But I mean, I've learned how to fight, and I could fight some people if I need to. And I could, I definitely don't start the fight, but I know how to stop them and finish them. And so was that? Because was did that come from? The yeah. Stuff that so was having to protect my mother from this guy and my older brother and and me, you know, like, I, you know, so I mean, he was my little brother's dad. Um, and one of the biggest things I remember is we used to wrestle all the time, but he would wrestle rough with us. He gave me a black eye one time that I had to go to school and he said, Don't. So it started fun? Kind of, a little bit. And then. Or was he like, we're toughing you little boys up today? Kind of. And then he was yeah. like, well, we're going to wrestle, mm -hmm. you know. 
mm. and that's what we're going to do today. But, um, but yeah, so he gave me a black eye one time, went to school with a shiner, <laughs> and he said, don't tell, don't tell anybody I gave it to you, right? So Because he knows, he knows yeah, he screwed he, up. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, you know, I get to get to class, and I'm like, why the heck do you have a black eye? And I was like, oh, my brother gave it to me, and my brother was at the same school at, at the time. Like, I think I was in first grade, and he was, like, fifth grade. And so they went and asked him, and they're like, why are you giving your brother a black eye? And he's oh, like, oh, shoot. So my old brother's like, well, I didn't do it. It's, you know, our dad did it. Yeah. Because you know, we called him dad for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, so that was that started a whole big old thing. And, yeah, I don't, I don't even like, because I mean, it was when I was in, like, first grade. So, I mean, I don't know what, I don't remember. I kind of blocked some of those memories out. Yeah. You know. The. Huh. Well, so as a survival mechanism... Um, but again, man, you but, yeah. just have this amazing ability to turn these negatives into positives. Yeah. And I, I mean, just, it's I just... keep pressing on. Cause I mean, there's, there's bigger things that I could, you know, like growing through like middle school, I played sports. So that was something I, like I just escape. Or... Yeah. Like I pushed my focus to that. So I was in sports I went to church. I played the guitar in the sports or the, the church band. Yeah. And so like. You know, looking forward to all that, to Wednesday night youth group playing the guitar, to Sunday morning playing the guitar in the band with the church, and just finding my friends at school and hanging out with them, playing football, so getting running out track. Of that yeah, getting out of that situation and just getting away from it, I think kind of helped me substantially in life. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like, I mean, nowadays, like, you know, with the whole debacle with the ex wife and fighting with that, because I have to fight a, it's more, of, it's not more of like a, like an emotional fight. It's more of a, like trying to just fight to be able to see my daughter yeah. with that whole thing. And, uh, cause you're not so much fight. fighting because you want to fight her. Right. No, you I want to see my daughter. You just want, at the end of the day, you just want to see your daughter. Yeah. And I want more time with my daughter. So that's the, makes sense. Yeah. Most great dads do. <laughs> and I mean, I love that little girl with everything I have, you know? Yeah, so she's she like, I, I want to give her everything and I want to spoil the hell out of her. And, yeah, and she's super but you smart also, and cracks me up. I mean, so. you're not a pushover dad either. No, no. At least not so. from what I've yeah. seen. You might be in <laughs> when yeah, you're maybe. by yourself. Yeah. But a daddy's girl, that's where it comes from. Yeah, definitely. And she's so, definitely a daddy's girl. I mean, the biggest thing that pops in my head is just how did you... And I know not. there might not even be an answer to this, but that is a lot of shit going down for a young person to deal with. Was there something that like just kept you going like i don't and again there might not be an answer yeah. but just your fam your brothers or yourself or just what helped you if somebody was struggling through the same thing that you were going through what advice would you give them or i would, went through i excuse would me. I, I mean i just keep telling them to look for look for the positive and everything and like try to look for uh you know like you're going through hell right now, but there's there's something better to look forward to. There's always something like have faith. I mean, like have for hope. for me, like it was the you know getting out of high school, finding new people, and like you know going to massage school because I went to massage school too. Oh, yeah. We forgot to put that in there, but we're still moving forward. But even like even through a, like you know a, a broken relationship with my ex-wife, I I got to meet this wonderful woman now that I'm married to Chantel. She is the most amazing just person that keeps me on track and i guess if i didn't push on through all the bad you i wouldn't got i would have never got to being with Chantel and and being a amazing 
little puppy on the screen. Little puppy <laughs> on the screen. Um, we have a monitor set up in the in the podcast room, and um, if you leave it alone too long, beautiful puppies pop up on our. <laughs> it's on our it's awesome, but it's distracting. Yeah, and we got dogs on the on the wall <laughs> on the too. Wall, but like yeah. they are, man. Dogs are distracting as shit. Because um, we were talking about really serious stuff, and all it took was a fluffy puppy for us to get distracted, puppy. man. Oh, well, we man, were both man. in the military. And, you know, and I bring up a lot of this stuff because, you know, I've had some trials and tribulations as of late. And, you know, knowing that people have made it through a lot worse, it sounds awful to say it, but it really does give some hope. Right. Because it's like, listen, you may be struggling... But someone else is also struggling or has struggled before, and they made it. Yeah. And, again, that means you can. So, because, I mean, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. And there's always something to look forward to. Like, I mean, in your case, like, I don't know fully your case, but, I mean, like, you know, if you're struggling, I mean, you got you got this know, podcast, right? you know, like, here in, like, you know, shortly you're going to have millions and millions of people <laughs> listening to this beautiful voice of mine. That's the and idea. Yours. <laughs> Please listen. And, uh, <laughs> But, I mean, that's that's the big thing you get to look forward to. Like, you know, so, I mean, all your kind of the hell that you're going through, there's there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, per yeah. se. So, I mean, you know, keep looking for that. Keep chugging along for that, and you'll get there. Yeah. I've gotten there. I'm still <laughs> We're all getting still there, on another man. hell that I'm in right now, but I, 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 I know that there's always a way out of it. There's always a way to enjoy life. And that's the key, man, because I can tell you um, – up until I lost that mindset a couple months ago, and we're getting it back, but the second that was gone, um, everything fell apart. And that's the only thing that changed. Yeah. My, I, I, I kind of lost that, um, that hope. Just, it will be okay if you keep pushing through. Yeah. Um, I was just, basically, all I got left is pushing, and I'm tired of pushing, Right. You know, but if so. now again, getting better and this has been very um, good for me is you just got to keep faith, man. Have yeah. that hope that it will be all right, because ultimately it will. <laughs> I have so much evidence to prove it. Every shitty part of my life I pushed through up to this point and it was better on the other side. Yeah. Like that Joe Dirt, you know, just keep, just keep, keep, keep keeping on. Can you imagine if he would have cut that thing? <laughs> right. Granted, he didn't think about the mullet, but... Um, well, shit, man. All right, Joe Dirt. So you talk about keeping on, keeping on. And I remember you started telling me about something that needs to stop keeping on and might need to be getting to going. And that is how ambulances, like the system of ambulances work. So what I thought, to paint you a picture, okay, Corey's just hit his 10-year, right? We talked about that. Right. Hit your 10-year as a EMT. So you've been in the system, the belly of the beast, for 10 years. Yeah. Okay? So you understand the reality of what being a, in an ambulance system is. Now, here's what I thought. <laughs> I thought just hospitals had ambulances, and when someone got hurt, 911 dispatch dispatched the closest, hosp like the closest ambulance. But they always were associated with, like it was just a service of the hospital. Just the same as anything else. It was part of the hospital. I apparently was incorrect in my assumption, and Corey has quite the detail. Well, you're you're partially correct. Yeah. And that uh, so nine one one usually has a contract with 
a company. So an ambulance is a government entity, correct? Right. Okay. So when, and if you're in a city where there's not uh, kind of a – so, I mean, like here in Loveland, we kind of got it made, right? So 911 um, – you call 911 here in Loveland, you get Thompson Valley, right? So they've been around I don't even know how Ever. long. Forever. My whole life. Right. So – and they're – they're they're privately, they're kind of private, kind of government work through through Loveland because they've been here for so, so long. So are they subsidized? Because like when you when you call nine one one in Loveland, you get Loveland Fire, but you don't get Loveland Fire Ambulance. You get Thompson Valley Ambulance. Oh, right. And Thompson Valley Ambulance is a private. It's not. Yeah, they're company. kind of private, but they're not. They're not associated with Loveland Fire. Gotcha. Or Loveland Pol- Police. They're not associated with the city they're associated with themselves. thompson valley themselves yeah, yeah. so okay. um and like in my case when i started working on the ambulance i worked at amr in denver okay so denver has upwards to at some point in time or another there's up to 28 ambulance companies in <laughs> See, the city okay this is how that conversation started so companies let me just companies. reiterate that. yeah there's 28 different <laughs> excuse me 28 different companies that have ambulances that contract out. That con- yeah, so um, so Denver Health is the main uh, main ambulance company that does the 911. So if you're in Denver, you call you you fall break your leg, you call 911, you're going to get Denver Health ambulance. And that's through Denver Health Hospital. So, in a sense, sometimes the hospitals do that with the 911. And Denver House, one of the big uh, trauma one centers where they take all the traumas yeah. for the most. So there's only, uh, there's only, there there was four for a long time, four trauma centers in Colorado, and now there's five. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's St. Anthony's West, Denver Health, Swedish, uh, University. <laughs> Lay down, man. University Health is another now new number one Damn. trauma. Sorry. And then you have Go Children's on. Hospital, who's a, a trauma center as well for kids. So that's the five. Was four for a little bit with University Hospital yeah. not having their trauma one. So big trauma happens where you're up in the mountains rolling whatever, your your quad, and you, like, yeah. break your, your femur, you break your neck, you break your, you know, all this trauma to your, your system. You'll go to a trauma center. Usually, if you're up in the mountains, you get helicoptered to uh, either St. Anthony's West or Denver Health. From the so, mountains. From the mountains, usually. And but it, is the helicopter part of the ambulance system? No. So a helicopter is a different company as well. So just, okay. So I could start a helicopter ambulance medevac, company. Yeah. If company. I had the money. Yeah. Money's not an option. Money's not an option. I could just like, have Gibbs Medevac. Yeah. Of Colorado. Yeah. So once you get the right licensure for, you know, air ambulance or air chopper yeah. Whatever it is. I don't know too much about the, the medevac aspect of it. But, yeah, you could. Because in Colorado, we have uh, Flight for Life. Uh, we have Northern Colorado Medevac. Um, and I'm forgetting a couple more. Yeah. But, but just different you know, companies. Different companies. So, so. how. <laughs> so you call 911. I flip my ATV, send the chopper. Do they have, like, just. Does, so dispatch then has a list of companies they call? Yeah, so usually you're contracted with a governor bo- governing body. So, yeah. like, for us in Boulder, we're, we're contracted with the city of Boulder and some aspects of the county of Boulder. So some, a lot of what the fire departments now are going to is EMS-based systems as well. So, like, um, 
trying to figure out um, what's a good example of it. Uh, so, uh, in, in Lakewood, you have West Metro Fire. That's the governing fire department there. So that's the, that is the government entity. Yeah, of the fire department. The it's fire called department. West Metro. Okay. So they have their own ambulance system as well. And they have to deal with all of that. So dealing with ambulance is weird because, like, you have the taxpayer paying a little bit, but then you have the medical aspect with insurance, and it's a, it's a big debacle, right? So it's a right? privatized, socialized system. Kind of, yeah. And, so, and then you have the private ambulance companies in Denver uh, that don't do 911 calls. So grandma falls, breaks her hip, she gets taken, uh, you know, whoever is living with grandma calls 911 in Denver, Denver Health takes them to the hospital. Well, now grandma has to go to either a rehab place, uh, a nursing home, or back home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so grandma can't really go in a car because she just broke her hip. How yeah. are you supposed to sit her in your vehicle to get that? So they send us as an ambulance, a private ambulance company, to move her around, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. And so we do... But, like, that's... Uh, this... So, all right. Let me paint a scenario here. Like you just said, Grandma fell. Uh huh. I called, help Grandma. Right. That's a nine one one call. That's a nine one one call. So, a so then from there, a private, what whoever has the contracted right, agreement, right, in the city, it would in that within that zone or whatever, zone, yeah, gets sent out, dispatched, goes back to the hospital. Grandma gets saved. Yay. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's the nine one one aspect of it. Right. So, so really, that, that's a matter of you need to get the contracts with. The did the nine one one in the hospitals to work the different areas. Right. So okay. like you know like in the movies where like some cops like it's a, it's also a cop thing too. So like you know you have one cop who is driving around and like someone's like some other cop from a different agency or a different yeah aspect of it. And they're like you're out of your jurisdiction. Know your role. You know like yeah. sometimes that's said in movies and that's kind of that's the same aspect of. Uh, fire departments and ambulances. Like, there's... do you ever brawl with like, hey, Arapaho EMS, get out of here! So, this is our turf. Um, we haven't like in modern times, but in like um, back in like the 1800s. So the fire department actually started by the insurance companies. Oh. And so each insurance company. I thought Benjamin Franklin started the. Yeah, he was big into insurance. <laughs> oh right? yeah. Right. So there's money yeah. in that. Ben oh, Benny Franklin. Is big into money, and I think that's why he's on the hundred dollar bill. He's an entrepreneur, man. <laughs> oh yeah, so he creates these fire departments that. Um, so you're living in New York at the time, let's say, and your house catches on fire. Well, um, back in like the 1810s, this uh, a big, uh, a really cool representation of what happened on when the fire departments first started to watch Gangs of New York with oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Love that movie. Um, because so like a building would go on fire, right? You'd get out like help. I need someone to put this <laughs> shit out, right? My house is on fire. And so you'd have multiple fire departments from the uh, insurance company show up, right? And they would either brawl each other to put this <laughs> fire out because the first person to put the fire out gets to go to the gets homeowner. Because the, the homeowner goes, hey, we just put your fire out. Give us, you know, 500 bucks for all the shit we just used on your house. Wow. Now it's it's a different circumstance because it's a governing body. Yeah, yeah, taxes. And the taxes pay for all that. But, yeah, so, you know, huh. the fire, you know, different people on the wooden fire trucks or the horse-drawn carriages yeah. would get out, brawl. And <laughs> the whole Dalmatian thing with the fire department kind of came about so that you could see the Dalmatian in the nighttime because oh. he's white with black spots. But also, that Dalmatian would guard the hell out of that freaking fire truck. Like, yeah. anybody who 
that Dalmatian didn't know is either getting bit or fucking chased off by the dog, right? No kidding. So that's the whole like aspect of it all. So private enterprise started fire like pretty much yeah fire yeah, departments fire departments. so so now you have different at- is there anything capitalism can't do right no kidding like, yeah geez Ugh. so in denver you have these 28 companies who uh get different contracts with different hospitals so yeah. um whatever hospital grandma goes to after the 911 call after she goes in the er she stays they fix her up they give her a new hip um now she's got to be moved so whatever hospital contracts with Either Why agency. wouldn't the hospitals just have these? Because hospitals just do hospital stuff. They don't do ambulance stuff. They don't care to do ambulance stuff, right? Because I guess right. So so they contract. Uh, so like one thing. AMR well, I con- guess that makes sense. Because yeah. then you guys get a focus on just we are an ambulance company. Right. We yeah. care about that. And so like one of the big things that my company has me do. Um, when I'm doing 911 in Boulder is that a lot of people ask me, well, how much is this going to cost me? Right. Cause that's the big, it's that's true. the big worry. And I have no idea. I don't know what you're billed. Yeah. Um, because I'm just here to do my job, save your life, you know, or fix you up, take you to the hospital. And that's all I do. I don't know how much it's going to cost you, whether it's $1,800 or $18 million, you know, whatever they bill the insurance or bill you yeah. personally for the ambulance ride. So yeah. And that's true, man. As someone who's written in the back of a lot of them, um, you just hear dollar signs. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right. Like, oh, dang it. As much as I do love this painkiller, will you please stop? I can't afford it. <laughs> um, so, great. It's, I just don't, it's so intertwined. It is. Oh, yeah. there's Because it's like private. And I almost think of Medicare. Like, I mean, there's yeah, so much oh, overlap. It's so crazy. And like, like, it's almost like, like what you're saying with the mob. Like, it, there's almost like, mob ties <laughs> yeah to all these so and i mean like we worked uh i don't and i don't know if this company is still around and if it is please don't kill me um <laughs> but there used to be uh it's called capital city ambulance in okay. denver and uh every time we see these guys it was they were russian guys they only spoke russian they only picked up russian patients and i was like how do you first of like, all how do you do that exactly i don't know and so i was like you know, if it's all Russian mob tied, like, that's weird. And then, because huh. I mean, really, if you go and start up an ambulance company, which some people know how to do, but like, I mean, it can't if you, be that hard. If you, Mark Gibbs, like, started an ambulance company wanted to go into Denver, I mean, you probably have to fight a oh, lot man. of people, uh, like, legislatively. Be and threats, oh, yeah. My and brake lines be cut. Oh, easy. I had and, a break in. And your employees and your ambulance brake lines would be cut too. Yeah. So you're putting. Well, that's but, the same deal with, like, the trash companies. Oh, yeah. You know, like, um, what somebody, I don't know who it told me, but they said their boss or their somebody tried to open up a trash company in, like, another city. They got chased out of town. Oh, yeah. They're like, hell no, you're not. So if you're not, if you don't know the right people to talk to. Yeah, and, and, might have been dead. Yeah. Sharking Jimmy your Hoffa, like, or a horse missing head. forever, you know. Man. That's crazy. Yeah, a little concrete boots sleeping with the fish, you know? It's just so <laughs> stupid because it's, like, this is supposed to be for the common good. Oh, yeah. You know, no and way. I'm not talking about socialist medicine. Get off your carpets, you fucking hippies. I'm just talking about it shouldn't be this complicated. Like, there's nothing wrong with privatized medicine because no. it leads to innovation. Right. Yeah. And it really is good. But the I, the system shouldn't be this difficult. It should just be... You're dying, fix us, 
it costs this much. Yeah. Like, it, that's but really how it should be. It's never that way, though. It's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, whoever's there going to take you to the hospital is going to charge you what they can. Yeah. And they can. Because, like, for example, I could get the exact same thing on my leg. Uh-huh. We could have the exact same procedures. I bet you our bills would be completely different. Completely different. Yeah, I think my, my surgeon told me it was like a $750,000 surgery he did on me. Yeah. But if it was like a homeless person. Right. Or not even a homeless person, just somebody else, it could have been, oh, well, it's pro bono. Right. Or, Oh, we just eat these ones. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that it's so crazy. crazy? Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. So, I mean, I don't know. So There's so many different ambulances, and that's how it works. Does that ever lead to confusion? All the time. Like what? Give so, me an example. Like, um, so, I, I'll give you a, an example from a couple weeks ago. So, I got called to uh, a psych hospital in Louisville. So, we I primarily work in Boulder. And... Uh, I got called uh, emergent for a patient who was in the psych building. So like, that's lights on. Yeah, lights on. Woo-woos is that's what we call them. <laughs> but uh, so we get called emergent, and uh, we get there, and uh, we see that Louisville Fire has actually been called to the same call, too. So there's a Louisville ambulance sitting there and a fire truck waiting for cops to go in and make sure the psych patient's okay for us to be treated. And so we're sitting there like, hey, what'd you get called on for, like? We're here emergent too. Like we kind of, and it was the cool thing was is one of the uh, one of the drivers, the EMT on the ambulance, because we're not ambulance drivers. We have feelings. <laughs> yeah, custodial manager. <laughs> right. Because um, that yeah, that's one of the big ways to really make someone mad who works on an ambulance is call them an ambulance driver. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> just like nurses are just doctor helpers. Yeah. But, um, so doctors we get doctors assistants. Doctors assistants. Yeah, but um. So we get on, we, we start talking to the other guy, because the other guy used to work for AMR and got a fire job, which is kind of the ultimate goal when you work for a private ambulance company. You move on to the fire job that pays more. That's pretty awesome. As like a firefighter? Yeah, so he's a firefighter EMT that also, so he, he switches from the ambulance to the fire truck back to the ambulance because he has experience on both. Yeah. And uh, uh, once you're a fire medic, you work primarily on the ambulance because you're a paramedic that works for the fire department on the okay. ambulance. Uh, but you're still trained up to the level of a firefighter that you could go into a building and huh. and be the hero. So <laughs> the firefighters are always the heroes. Better. No one cares about the ambulance people. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the ones getting shit on, man. Oh, all the time. But, they never uh, appreciate the person who's taking all the body oh, fluids. Yeah. Porn stars, nobody right? gets appreciated. Nobody gets man. appreciated. <laughs> body fluids are the worst thing to work with. Oh, yeah. And as somebody who has... Not nearly to your degree, but it when I was in the hospital for the military, dealt with human fluids. It is the worst fluid to be covered in. I've oh, yeah. been in jet fuel. I've been in hydraulic fluid. I've been gasoline. You name it. Been it. Swamps, mud. Nothing is grosser than anything that comes out of a person. Yeah. And, I mean, you've probably never been covered by baby fluid either, like from a delivery. No. And I've had four field no. deliveries. So, wow. Yeah. Four. So you've delivered four babies in the in, in homes. Like grass. Yeah. Well, not in the grass, but like <laughs> in homes. Because it wasn't time. Yeah. Or like mom didn't get to the, the car fast enough to get to the hospital. Babies are already coming. Babies oh. come when they feel like coming. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those babies were like, I want to be born at home. Mama. <laughs> What's the, uh, did any of them name them after you? No. Which you like. You'd think the Hollywood so. stereotype is that, you know, like, yeah. oh, you deliver my kid. What's your name? That's my kid's name now. No, yeah. that never happened with me. Like, oh, what's your name, Corey? Oh, 
I'm like, oh, sh- <laughs> shit. That's, yeah. that's not a great name. So uh. after you deliver the baby, um, you stabilize and transport? Definitely, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, babies still got to get checked out by a doctor. We're not doctors, but we're Catchers. governed. We're Yeah, mm-hmm. we're governed by a doctor, but never... We can't make a diagnosis. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you know it. Oh, yeah. You know it as you work in the medical field a little bit in the military. Like, you, you never make a diagnosis. There's a differenti- differentiating diagnosis, yeah. if I could say that word right. Double D. <laughs> Double D. <laughs> but you can never, like, pin it down like a doctor can because yeah. that's why the doctors get paid the the big bucks. The big bucks. MD, millionaire they doctor. They sit in the rooms and <laughs> read all the time. Read all the time. Huh. Yeah. So Well, man. But, yeah, that's that's your little down and dirty to how an ambulance company works as far as like what i do in boulder is we uh we bid it so every five years in boulder right now uh there's like a bid for whoever um the the ambulance company yeah for whatever ambulance company could come in and do the 911 work so like we bid back in 2012 got the bid was able to kind of move in kick pride mark out and say this is our turf now homies and uh yeah, so we've been so there. You'd since... have to come in with some real money. So oh, say yeah. if I started Mark's ambulances, you gotta I'd have, have to some, go in, and I some better serious be able... capital. Oh yeah, yeah. buying new so... ambulances, new, mm-hmm. new stretchers, new everything. Mm-hmm. Well, if anybody feels like investing, yeah, million, um, millionaires out there, we'll start a. We could do Gibbs Ambulance oh, or man. Gibbs Armstrong Ambulance. They'd company. all be green. <laughs> there you go. Everyone would want to ride in the green ambulances. Right. For luck. For luck. And then if. But With, we would all none, nobody would ever die in our ambulances. Right. Well, that's ever. that's the rule of ambulance. So I've yeah. been working for ten years. The rule on the ambulance: there's two rules. No one dies. No one multiplies in an ambulance. <laughs> yeah. So every time I've had someone multiply, they've either done at the house or in the hospital. Right. Never in the ambulance. And someone dies either in the house or at the hospital. Never we just transport. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. That's the golden rule. No one dies. No one multiplies. <laughs> um, is there a next step for you? Uh, my next step, I really want to go to paramedic school. Yeah. Um, finding the How time to do that. Everyone. Still in the military. Still in the military. So, I mean, like, people are like, oh, you're in the military. You could you could go to paramedic school for free. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that. But you'll also but be gone. How do I also get paid while I'm in paramedic school? going there? So that's what I'm trying to figure out right now with maybe using the GI Bill, a couple Wait, of grants they... and stuff the paramedic program you get e5 that's that's if i could find a program in the military to go through oh yeah yeah that's but what if i, I just yeah. do like like in our in, in our case through Civilian. the wyoming air guard is that they'll pay for me to go to uh they'll pay for my tuition to go to l triple c laramie community college yep. and go through their paramedic program but that's Again, not that's not through the yeah i gotta get paid for that so you need to sell your body a lot of yeah. fluids Sell a kidney, maybe, or <laughs> I got two kids. Maybe I could donate one of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the boys down there. <laughs> no. Well, man, this but, has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've officially gotten lost. Yeah. We've been all a lot of. You've done a lot. Yeah. Um. There's probably some more too that I haven't talked about. Well, the the <laughs> nice thing about this is this is for the long haul, big time. So there'll be yeah. repeat guests, big time. And uh, even though I'm covered in sweat right now and scared to death. <laughs> Yeah, he's a sweaty boy, man. Oh, man. He uh, was very nervous, and I thought you did great. I don't know why you were nervous. Uh, it's just talking in front of people. I know people are going to hear this. So. Yeah. And my, I think my voice is weird. No, no. <laughs> it's only, uh, well, I mean, everybody thinks their own voice is weird. Yeah. I don't think your voice is weird. Yeah. Well, this is where usually um, 
if you got anything to say, anything you want to share, um, anything you want to pimp out or have recognized. Big thing. Just keep keep it on, yeah. I guess. You know, it's a big, big thing from today. Uh, just persevere. Yeah. It's hard. Even when you're at your lowest, um, just don't ever lose that hope. No. That's my big takeaway. It's just you can't ever stop. No, yeah. And you can't. Like, it's and just I agree with that so much. Like I so that's... much do, and thank you for reminding me about that. Yeah. So there's always a better finish line is, to where man. you're at now. So yeah. There is. So, all right. Well, man, thanks. I appreciate yeah. you. No problem. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.